Well, good morning, folks. I think we'll get started here in our adult Sunday school. So if I could invite folks to come in and take a seat. And we will get started. So this morning we're looking at uh, class 11 of our core seminar, Living as a Church. So class 11, giving and service, sacrifice for the sake of unity. Let me open in a word of prayer here and, and uh, we can dive in. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we approach you now through Jesus Christ our Lord and even through his shed blood and even by the power of your spirit. We come to the living triune God uh, asking for help now that you would illuminate our minds by your spirit to behold Christ uh, for your glory, Father, uh, even as we consider this topic of service in the church. So attend us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so sacrifice for the sake of unity. So our topic this morning, service, and it's particularly service in the church. Service in the church. So what do we mean by this? Well, simply put, service is the idea of spending yourself. Spending yourself, so that is your time, your gifts, your resources, your energy for the sake of others. So if we consider that one of the verses we've seen throughout this course, uh, Mark 10, 45, we saw it a couple months ago as Pastor Clint took us through that chapter. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And as I've said before about that verse, obviously our service to one another in the church is not uh, salvific in any way. In other words, we're not making atonement for one another like Christ has made atonement for us, but he sets the pattern in his service. So we are to serve one another, even as he came not to be served, but to serve. So Jesus uh, calls us to take up our cross and follow him. Remember if even last, last Sunday, Pastor Clint's sermon, that was, that was the main um, emphasis of that passage. If we seek to save our lives, we, we will lose them. If we lose our lives for the sake of the gospel, we will find them. And in, that entails taking up our cross, and following Christ. So service it has very much to do with, it's an aspect of taking up your cross and following Christ. So our service to others then should be a result of an overflow of love from our hearts because of the love that God has shown to us in Christ. So that's the fuel for service. And as I go through this lesson this morning, you're going to see on your handout, there's even examples of service gone wrong. And I would suggest right away that service gone wrong ultimately is going to be, it's, it's service that's going to be fueled by something other than the love of God that you have received in Christ. So that's what we're going to be considering this morning. And as well, you can see your subtitle there again. I mean, we're just sort of hammering this week after week, um, service contributes to the unity in the body. So we're talking about unity all, all the way through this course. What does, what does unity look like 
and how is it established and maintained in the church. So this unity is an important part of our witness, even as we consider our service. So just consider this. Um, a community of people who joyfully serve one another will stick out in our world, won't it? Just think about what drives different, different communities, different, different uh, groups of people getting together. If service to one another is, is what sort of defines that community, there's going to be something very compelling about that to the watching world. Very unique. So this morning we're going to start with a theology of service. Then we're going to walk through four ways in which service uh, contributes to our unity. And as, I've, uh, as I just mentioned, we're going to look at uh, different aspects of service gone wrong as well. So my hope is that our discussion this morning will spur us to serve one another more and more, even as we consider God's love to us in Christ, that we would serve for God's glory and even for our good. So you can see on your handout there, uh, a theology of service. So there's a key verse here that we're going to come back to this morning. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 says this. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Verse 11, a little bit later on, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So these verses are going to provide sort of a summary uh, on the theology of service or ministry within the church. And we can see five, you, you can sort of extract five uh, basic points out of this. You can see that on your handout. First of all, each Christian has received a gift. So in other words, this isn't just something that the church leadership or the staff has been given while everyone watches or, or, or sort of is a pew sitter or just sort of receives passively. Everyone has been given a gift. The gift is a result of God's grace, number two. Third, we are responsible to use that gift. Fourth, we should use it for the benefit of, uh, benefit of others and for the glory of God. And five, we should serve through God's strength. So as a Christian, there's some special manifestation of God's grace in you as you are serving the body through the strength that God provides. What's the purpose of service? Well, we can see it there in Ephesians 4, 12 and 13. Paul says this, as far as gifts given to the church. They are to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. There's that topic again. And the knowledge of the Son of God. So what Paul is stressing here is the goal of strengthening the whole body and not just the parts. And again, something that we've seen over and over again in this class, we're living in a, in a very sort of hyper-individualistic Western society right now. When we think about gifts within the church, I think probably automatically for a lot of us, we just start to think of, okay, how am I gifted as an individual? And how can I practice those gifts as an individual? We see right here, though, from Ephesians 4, that the whole point of it is to build up the whole. Not just the individual parts, 
but for the good and the health and the unity of the whole. The whole body growing in unity. So that's our focus today. This is also the first point of service gone wrong. You can see it on the bottom of the first page of your handout there. It's a very common thing in church. When a person feels entitled to serve precisely in the way that he or she feels gifted and who fears that they can't find fulfillment as a Christian if they're not serving in that way. So again, the goal of service is the strengthening of the body, not our personal fulfillment. So that means that when we serve, it is because the body needs strengthening as a whole. So we can be wrong even at times about the gifts that God has given us, right? You, you can, we, we can often have sort of our own perceptions about the way we ought to be serving. And maybe those things could be true. But even part of body life is even getting sort of outside uh, perspective. Oftentimes we're actually not viewing ourselves uh, even properly, or we can have sort of wrong conceptions about ourselves and the way we ought to be serving. I mean, I can say just, just even speaking a little bit personally, if you ask me, to, I, I mean, our brother DJ McLeod was sharing this just recently as well. If you were to ask me seven or eight years ago that I'd be an elder of this church standing up at the front teaching right now, I would tell you that you're crazy because I actually don't like public speaking but I love the Word of God, and it was people uh, outside of myself speaking into my life and saying, no, it seems like when you talk about the Bible, you actually, you know, there's a conviction there and so on. Like, okay, well, and then people started giving me opportunities. But it's, you just don't know how the Lord might um, desire to use you for the service of the body. Um... So we can be wrong about the, what, which gifts we think God has given us. So it's far better than to roll up our sleeves and just simply start serving. Simply start serving. And, and what happens then, you might be maybe serving in an area where you, you don't necessarily feel overly gifted. But what happens is when you plug into body life and people are able to speak in, into your life, that's where you really start to find your lane, as it were, and start to serve uh, in ways that you, you even will find meaning to be meaningful. So in other words, we, we discover our gifts very often as we serve. Um, all right, so point three. Point three, how should we serve then in a way that promotes unity? Well, given this goal of unity... What should our service in the church look like? And what should be our motive for serving in the church? So this is sort of going to be um, the bulk of the lesson this morning. You can see four points there. First of all, we should serve in God's strength and with great joy. So our goal shouldn't be mere good deeds, but good deeds done in a spirit that comes from a joyful dependence on God's help. So the Lord loves to use weak and needy people and to, to manifest his strength 
through our weakness. So you can see, again, in 1 Peter 4.10, Peter tells us, whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. By the strength that God supplies. And that, this very much uh, sort of touches on our motivation behind the service as well, I would suggest. So for parents here, just think about when you ask, I mean, maybe, maybe some of your, your children are a little bit older. You can maybe remember, you, you ask your child to go clean his or her room. And let's say he stomps off to the room, you know, sort of reluctantly and, and bitterly and still cleans the room. So, so the, the room gets cleaned, right? But what was the, the, what was the heart posture behind that service? Um... As opposed, to, as opposed to the child that is obedient and does it out of a thankful heart, and even out of a thankful heart that he or she has a room to clean, even, right? Recognizing the gifts of the Lord. So we can see that those, are, those are two very different heart postures. The, the, the end result is taking place, right? The, the, the job is getting done. The room is being cleaned, Right? But it's two very different heart postures at that point. So in other words, God isn't merely concerned that we use our gifts, but how we use our gifts. Again, God is not a utilitarian God. He's not just concerned that stuff gets done, right? It's how, how is it getting done? Is it getting done in cheerful reliance upon him? So that's the attitude that we, that we should have when we give our time or our money or our energy to the church. You can see that verse you got in your hand out there, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Even a verse about giving financially, we read this. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Again, the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need anything from us. It's not like we're, we're filling some type of uh, a void or felt need, some type of deficiency that is in God. No, he's the overflowing, life-giving God, right? So then even in our financial giving, we want to be doing that out of a cheerful heart and not reluctantly or under compulsion. So the same concept then, as we've seen, applies even to serving cheerfully. Not out of guilt, not out of compulsion. So the Bible exhorts us to serve not out of duty, but because it is a fantastic opportunity to participate in the building up of God's people. It's actually, I mean, as Pastor Terry Stauffer, if, you, if some folks here remember Terry Stauffer, he used to say, um, it's a get-to, not a have-to, Right? It's a get-to, not a have-to. So this sort of leads into our, our service gone wrong as well. Serving out of guilt rather than out of gratitude. Think of what guilt-driven service says about God. And even the things of God. It says that they're not more valuable than other things in my life but I guess I'll, I'll, I'll do it because it has to get done. 
So this might beg the question then, and maybe this is a little bit convicting. What if I don't have this attitude? What if my heart is cold to the things of the Lord, even cold to the, you know, the idea of serving? Maybe it's partly motivated out of a fear of man or, or out of guilt, right? Oh, this just needs to get done, so I guess I'll do it. So it begs the question, should I abstain from giving my time, my resources, my, my energy, if I'm feeling that way? Would it be hypocritical just to sort of force myself to serve? Well, the answer at that point is no. We shouldn't refrain from serving the church, even if there are mixed motives. I mean, part of the challenge with the Christian life, even as saved people, is we, there's, there's remaining indwelling sin, right? So there's always going to be mixed motives in the Christian life. But as, we, as we're sanctified, as, as we are matured in the Lord, our motives are purified over time. So, so and, and, and it needs to be pointed out as well, Scripture does command us to serve. So the command is there, and the command is there, we do just need to do it while we're asking the Lord to purify our motives and to uh, empower us to serve in his strength. So I think that's key there. Um, So second then, we should serve in the knowledge that everyone's service is needed and valuable. This again is very common in the body of Christ Um, oftentimes members will feel useless or unimportant in their service if it's maybe more behind the scenes or something like that and it it can even lead to envy. Envy for towards members that maybe have a more public or sort of upfront ministry or maybe even bitterness towards God. So Paul, uh, he, he rejects this idea in 1 Corinthians 12. Let's flip to 1 Corinthians 12 right now. You guys know this passage, 1 Corinthians 12, one body, many members. So Paul explains that the very existence of the body of Christ depends on the diversity of the gifts the Spirit has given the church. We undermine that Spirit-given diversity when we compare ourselves with others. So look at verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? And then he says in verse 19, if all were a single member, where would the body be? Well, the answer, of course, is the body would not exist. Imagine a body just being a big nose or something like that. It just simply doesn't work. You need the diversity of the whole. Uh, More importantly, in response to the claim of uselessness, Paul points out God's sovereignty in the matter in verse 18. He says, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. That's a beautifully comforting verse, if you think about it. God is sovereign in his designing of all the parts of the body, and he does it for our best interest. So what does this mean for us then? 
Well, we should serve in the church where we can. We should thank God for the gifts that he has given us. And we shouldn't feel useless or discontent merely because we are not perhaps serving in some particular way or in some capacity. There are so many ways to serve in this church that are crucial to the health of the church. And it's a comforting thing just to think about wherever you're serving, even right now, the Lord has sovereignly put you there even for this time. I mean, this sort of relates a little bit to uh, a brothers in, in business breakfast I did recently with some brothers in the church who are um, in business, self-employed to various degrees, even the doctor of vocation. And uh, the author of this book uses an example, an 18-year-old working, flipping burgers to put himself through university. You would have to say that 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 18 year old's vocation at that point is flipping burgers. And he ought to be able to be confident in that vocation at that time. That is his calling for that time. So even as you think about the way that you're serving or maybe desire to serve in the church here, just recognizing God's sovereign hand in all those things. Um, it's important to point out as well, we're, we're not only talking about spiritual gifts, but also the use of our physical gifts that God has given us. So some members um, in any church, in this church, are going to be rich in time, others in resources, others in relationships. So those who are rich in time, I mean, this might be a bit of an overgeneralization, but if you consider, um, this, you know, the, if you're single here, single folks in our church, Practically speaking, you guys are just going to have probably maybe a little bit more time to do things like helping um, a family in church move, uh, helping with babysitting, helping set up and tear down for events, right? We celebrated the wedding of uh, Michael Fontanelli and, and Kristen, now Fontanelia, yesterday. It was, a, it was a glorious time right? There's all this stuff behind the scenes, and very often it is uh, many singles in the church who are giving up their time because they're, they're perhaps rich in time. Those who are rich in resources can help uh, particularly in supporting the church financially. Now, obviously, all of us are called to give, right? But I remember even, you know, the, the building campaign for purchasing this building, by God's grace, there, there are many very generous donors, right? And the Lord, um, the Lord actually commands the wealthy to be generous with, with what they've been given, right? So that's a, that's a legitimate, a beautiful thing if the Lord has given you um, a richness even in resources and finances. Those who are rich in relationships can, can uh, network, right, to, build, to, to make connections, we're living in an age where many people are isolated and lonely and even within the church. So then if you're rich in relationships, right, you just have a knack of sort of uh, putting people together. I'm not, I'm not just talking about matchmaking, you know, trying to get marriages set up. Even just friendships, right? I mean, matchmaking is good too. Um, but you know what I mean, right? I mean, I, 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 mean I, I would say particularly even some ladies just seem to have a way of, you know, with relationships. And I think you should maybe go grab a, a tea or a coffee with this person, 
right? Um, that's a good thing. So those are rich relationships. They can, be, they can be mentoring teenagers, maybe providing a home away from home for college students. Um, and then the other thing to consider too is different opportunities come along with different opportunities to serve as, as your seasons of life change, right? Maybe you're in a stage of young children you're in, you're in a, or in a stage of being an empty nester, right? Married couples here, you're empty nesters now where the Lord could be moving you into a different season where you might be able to serve in a different way that you never have before. And I would say too, I've mentioned this in this course a few times, if you're a mom with young children, you may feel exhausted and discouraged that you don't have the time maybe to disciple women the way you used to, maybe to evangelize your neighbors, volunteer in the church, whatever it is. I would just want to encourage you that that is okay. And again, recognize um, the, the season that you're in, what God has called you to do. You're called in this moment, even in the exhaustion, in the sleepless nights, nights at times, You've been called to, to uh, bring your children up in the, in the fear and discipline of the Lord. So don't despair if, if you feel like you, you know, oh, I, I, I feel like I haven't been able to share the gospel with someone maybe in years like I used to be able to. Well, you've, got, you've got a bunch of little heathen right now in your home that you get to evangelize, right? And witness to. And Lord willing, see the Lord save. So that is, that is an incredible calling. This church will still be here, Lord willing, in five decades. At least in part because of your service moms in the home right now. If you think about it. Right? What is one of the major things that f- that's facing the Western world right now? Well, Ladies aren't having kids, right? That, that is a sure way to cause your nation to self-destruct. So it's a beautiful thing, the service of the moms and the families of raising children. When you're handled, then you can see uh, the service gone wrong, number three. The person who gives up serving because they don't see their contribution as important. So we must never understand service to God is valuable primarily because of the temporal result, but because of what the sacrifice says about God's value. Um, This is a passage that's going to be coming up in Pastor Clint's sermon series in a little bit here. The widow's two copper coins were actually worth more in God's eyes than the thousands given by the wealthy. So it's just something to consider. So this raises another question then. Does this mean that we can't desire or seek to attain other spiritual gifts? If God is the one who gives gifts according to his good pleasure, is it dishonoring to him to desire um, maybe more spiritual gifts or a spiritual gift that you maybe desire but you feel like you don't have. Well, I don't think that desire is actually necessarily inherently wrong or sinful. 
You can see there, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Um, Paul says this, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Now, obviously, that chapter, it, you know, it can, it's a controversial passage to go to, right? What, what do we think about the, the sign gifts here? Well, at Calvary Grace, just to be uh, clear, if folks aren't aware, we, we are cessationists, so we wouldn't understand the sign gifts to still be active or normative in the church today, but the principle still applies, doesn't it? Paul is saying to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. So, in other words, it is possible to long for spiritual gifts that we don't have without regarding the ones we do have as useless. Um, so, this is, there, there's a balance here then between contentment and the gracious, sovereign provision of God and then what we could call sort of holy yearnings to be used of the Lord maybe to greater degrees. That's not, that's not necessarily a wrong or a sinful thing. I, again, if your desire is to see the gospel spread, to see God glorified, to see the church built up in unity and love, I think that principle there from 1 Corinthians 14 applies. So third there is C. <clears throat> we should use our gifts humbly. So this is sort of the flip side of the second point. First um, Corinthians 12, 14 to 20, Paul encourages those members who might feel like they have nothing to contribute. But then the flip side is verses 21 to 26, he cautions those who have been given gifts of greater responsibility to exercise those gifts with humility. So verse 21, if you're still in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 21 the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Just think of, about how arrogant of a statement that is. Those in positions of greater responsibility or visibility in the church must not lord their authority over others or carry out their duties with an air of superiority. So unity and diversity, again, this is a theme we've been looking at all the way along. Unity and diversity is impossible without Christ-like humility. Let me say it again. Unity and diversity is impossible without Christ-like humility. And very often it's the place that's needed most is in those who seem to have... Um, that, that Christ-like humility is very often where um, that needs to be manifested most in places that are seemingly prominent or, or more and more public or visible. When this doesn't happen, people can become territorial over a ministry uh, or bitter, suspicious, and these results are devastating for the unity of the church. So our calling then is to recognize and honor the service of, of all our members, no matter how seemingly um, significant or insignificant each part is. Each part is absolutely crucial to the health and the unity of the whole. Even particularly in areas of ministry that are behind the scenes. 
So just consider, I mean, even some of these, you know, things that might seem insignificant. Consider sending a card of encouragement or thank someone verbally for, for a different work that's going on behind the scenes that maybe goes unnoticed. Consider running the sound system, uploading sermons to the website, doing security. I mean, there's just some examples of, of body life in the church. We want to be encouraging one another in all these things. So that's, that's service gone wrong, point four. Just trying to find where we are here in our bulletin. Service gone wrong, number four. Have you ever complained that others in the church aren't doing their fair share? I mean, people talk about the 1090 rule or the 2080 rule. 20% of the church does 80% of the work. It can be a bit of a perennial issue in churches. How do we combat that attitude? We could maybe have a poor understanding of the constraints that other people are working under. Maybe there's a proud heart that confuses personal worth with service. Again, this is something that I've, I've touched on throughout this course. We, we are living in a very utilitarian age where we attach our, our perceived value or usefulness to what we're doing. Rather than, rather, than, rather than the inherent worth and value that we have by virtue of being created in God's image. Uh, maybe there's an assumption that others are willfully neglecting service rather than giving the benefit of the doubt that maybe they haven't discovered the joy that comes from service. It's part of growing as, as a disciple, is growing in, in even the joy that comes from service. And maybe other brothers and sisters just need to be brought along in that. So again, in all of this, the, the, the solution is humility. It's got to be, it comes back to Christ-like humility. We want to be giving others the benefit of the doubt, even, while even encouraging them to consider to serve in some way if they're not. So recognize then that you're not any better because you serve. Again, I mean, I, I was thinking of the passage from uh, Acts 17 this morning, Paul in the Areopagus. What's one of the things that, that, that very much sort of um, is always characteristic of false religions? Well, the false, the false gods always need your service. There, there's always some type of uh, felt need or void. Where I mean, you even look at some of these, you know, uh, gods of the Greek pantheon and, you know, the Norse gods. They, they create in order to have slaves to serve them. In other words, they're inherently needy gods. And Paul, in Acts 17, at the Areopagus, he, he confronts that belief with the, the Greeks, and he says, no, 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 God does not need to be served by anybody. He, is it, he doesn't need to be served by anybody as if he needed anything. That's a paraphrase, but he gives all of, li all of mankind life and breath and everything. Um, so 
So just something to consider then. God, God is the overflowing, life-giving God, and we can serve out of humility, not because we're better or we're somehow meeting some type of felt need in God, but because it is a joy to do so, even as Christ has served us. So uh, let's move on to point D. Um, this is the fourth and last point. Serve to glorify God and to benefit others and yourself. So we've touched on this uh, uh, somewhat a little bit this morning, but uh, we're going to address it explicitly now. Our service of the church yields several benefits for ourselves, for others, and most importantly, for the glory of God. So again, this is sort of very much in line with what I was just sharing from Acts 17. Psalm 24, verse 1. Um, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, including the strength and the time that he gives us. So what we do with every hour then, um, not just on Sunday mornings, says something about our view of God and what he means to us. Um, serving also directly benefits others. So making a meal for someone that provides sustenance, just thinking about all the, all the pregnant moms and the, the, the little uh, kids that we've seen uh, born into the church over the years. What a joy. Uh, giving someone a ride to church makes it possible for them to grow under the preached word. Um, do you want to bring other people joy in their Christian life? Well, when you commit to serve in a particular way and then make good on that commitment, even though that commitment constrains your own time and strength, you are working directly for others to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's benefiting others. But our service also benefits us. It helps us appreciate and, and remember the ultimate act of service that Christ has shown us. Again, this is the fuel for it all, isn't it? Christ came not to be served, but to serve. So service then makes us less self-focused. And perhaps ironically, this is actually the way to a life of satisfaction and contentment. Um, moreover, when we structure our life so that service is a priority, it forces us to depend more on God for the strength to serve. Again, the Lord is the one who provides that strength. So this is, there's, there's a couple back-to-back here now, service gone wrong. Number five... The person who serves only slightly because their heart is captured by the world and they believe the lie that self-indulgence and self-focus brings greater joy. So there's mixed priorities there that keep them from, we could even say, a higher satisfaction of self-sacrifice. This is, again, the way of the cross, the way of the Christian life. It's so counterintuitive to the flesh. That service gone wrong, number five. What about number six? The person who serves to the point that is deemed accept, acceptable by those around him, but is doing it out of his own strength rather than relying on the Lord. All of these, both of these ones um, are sort of mutations of failing to serve uh, to glorify God to the benefit of others and yourself. Well, to close, um, moving to point four. 
persevering and doing good. Perseverance in service through Christ's power. So 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 13, the Apostle Paul says this, As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. Now, why would Paul have to say that? Well, it's because very often we grow weary in doing good. Right? We, you, you can get tired of the service year after year. Maybe it goes unnoticed, right? It's behind the scenes. Weariness can set in. So there can be a temptation then to pull back and even to stop altogether. Or maybe some of you have lost sight of the larger goal of enjoying God through your service. Maybe having been caught up in the details and the busyness of the ministry, you've neglected your relationship with God. Perhaps even now you're relying on your own strength. Again, these are just all things that we, we can all fall into. Well, if this is the case, we need to remember that our strength to serve comes from Christ in us. So just considering John 15, right? I love that passage. Jesus says, I am the vine, you're the branches. Abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. It's humbling, but it's also very beautiful, right? Um, If you're abiding in the vine, you will bear fruit. And that's how service once again becomes a joy rather than merely just a chore that needs to get done or a burden. So this is our last instance then of of, uh, service gone wrong. Exhausting ourselves in service in our own strength rather than abiding in Christ. Now, and this this is sort of the last point too, and this might sound counterintuitive based on everything that we've been looking at. It might sound like a contradiction to say, that you need to learn, and we, we all need to learn, how to serve in a sustainably sacrificial way. Does that sound contradictory? A sustainably sacrificial way. But it actually is true. I mean, you used to, it used to be, um, even in the missionary world, I would say for the past maybe 100, 150 years. I don't know if some of you folks are familiar with Keswick theology, but it's the theology of sort of the higher life, the victorious living, the consecrated life. You need to give yourself fully over to the Lord. You used to hear people talk about, I just want to burn out for the Lord, right? And some people actually, you know, they were dying in their 30s and 40s and so on. Some of these missionaries, though, actually, they came to see they actually regretted not, not serving in a sacrificial and sustainable way. So you can sort of swing too far that way as well. So we want to learn how to, how to, in other words, the Lord, because he doesn't need us and he doesn't need our service, he actually delights to give us times of rest as well. We, we need to do that. Otherwise, we'll burn out and again, that, w- that can lead to bitterness and uh, just sort of serving begrudgingly. So we want to be cultivating lifestyles then of giving ourselves up to God for his glory while resting in him. 
So let me just close with opportunities to serve here at Calvary Grace. Of course, I need to talk about this when this class is on service. So every Sunday in the bulletin, uh, there's a section highlighting uh, current needs in the church. So some of the perennial ones are, I I just checked the bulletin from last week, uh, nursery, children's catechism, and security workers. But again, there are are many other opportunities that are less formal as well. I mean, just consider one of them. Even, Even consider visiting our brother Steve Overell or folks like that who are in Steve, our brother Steve is in um, an extended care facility. He would love to see folks from church, and I know there are folks here that visit him at times. But just consider just people like that who, you know, are a little bit more isolated, who could use a visit. What about discipling a younger Christian? hospitality, writing cards of encouragement, helping at youth group, setting up for weddings and conferences, many, many other things. So if you're considering service, you want to figure out where you want to try to plug in, email our pastoral assistant, Jared Carey, uh, apprentice at calvarygrace.ca. Apprentice at calvarygrace.ca. And of course, it needs to be mentioned as well, it's Gospel Partners you do need to be a gospel partner here at this church to enter into service, and then there's going to be the five gates sort of um, uh, process that you have to go through. I'm not not going to talk about that right now, but email Jared Carey, apprentice at calvarygrace.ca. And I'm already, I've wanted to try to save time for questions, but I'm still going too long. Uh, Let me conclude here. As always, you got questions, please come up and chat with me. Let me just close. So for almost 2,000 years, God's people have faithfully served in the church. They've been driven by a love for God and a desire to glorify Him. Praise God for how well this has even been exemplified at this church. And may the Lord just strengthen us to continue building that culture in this church. May the Lord continue to make us a people who are driven to serve because the Lord Jesus Christ has served us in such amazing ways. Let's, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're reminded this morning that you are not a needy God. You are not a, a God who has a big void to fill You're not lacking or deficient in any way. You do not need us uh, for anything, but rather out of the overflow of uh, life within the triune Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you bring us into that fellowship, even in the context of this local church, so that we can be brought up into the fellowship of the triune God. And even if, as there is love between Uh, the Father, Son, and Spirit, and the Godhead, we are called to love and serve one another, even out of the love that you have shown for us in Christ. So build us up, build Calvary Grace up in service to one another uh, for your glory and our joy. Uh, Prepare our hearts and our minds for the main service now. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.